One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and if you don't subscribe, why don't you just go on iTunes or whichever podcast provider you use and subscribe so you can get this podcast, The Rugby Dungeon, delivered direct to your device whenever we do a new one. If you want to follow the show, you can follow me at jbeardmore, you can follow this podcast at The Rugby Dungeon, or if that's not enough rugby for you, why don't you have a look at the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast with me, Tim and Phil, that comes out every Sunday. Now, today's guest is Carl Ferns. Carl is not the usual type of guest that we get on here. He hasn't done a ton of media in the past. He is incredibly humble, as you'll find out, and uh, quite a shy, introverted guy. So massively thankful for him coming on. He has got a lot of experience, it would seem, at being in the right place at the right time or the wrong time, depending on how you look at things. We go on to talk about the incidents with Sam Burgess coming to Bath, which is absolutely fascinating from an insider's point of view. Obviously, we had to talk about Gavin Henson, but also about his life in Lyon and what it's like playing in the French second division and winning that by quite some distance. Before we get into all of that, and it's a really good interview, just a quick thank you to our sponsors, Field & Flower. Field & Flower are a supplier of organic grass-fed meat, comes direct to your door. Go onto their website, just type in Field & Flower, you can choose from one of their many boxes. Um, Barbecue box, seasonal box, poultry box, you name it, it's there. Pick the one that's suitable for you and your family, uh, order it, use our discount code, rugby 20 and it'll just appear on your doorstep easy simple support them they've supported us and so many of you so far have taken up this offer so thank you so much again if you do take up the offer this month you will be put into prize draw for some surprise stash which will be uh, announced very shortly so thank you all again right this is me with mr carl ferns please enjoy it how are you carl I'm very well, thanks, TV. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. So how's life out in Lyon? Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it, mate. I'm really enjoying it. The, lang- the language is a bit tough for me, you know, being a scouser. I was going to um, say, do you mean English or French? Uh, yeah, exactly, mate. You know, people struggle to understand me when I speak, speak English, so I'm struggling when I try and speak French. I was looking at the French League today. Tell me if I'm wrong. Lyon have gone up this year, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we won uh, Prejudeur pretty convincingly, actually, last season with about... Eight games to go. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at the yeah. um, at the points, and you guys smashed it. Yeah, yeah, we did well. To be fair, enjoyed it as well. The way Pretty Two works, you have sort of three weeks on, one week off. My body felt great coming from England, where it's week in, week out. A that, slog. That's really interesting, actually, because I always assumed that in France you just played, I don't know, 140 games day after day with one day's rest. I thought it was actually more of a slog. Well, I don't know how the 
top 14 works i'll find out this, this season but <laughs> yeah. yeah probably two that's how it works yeah you can so see you go three or four on one off two weeks off at christmas which was a dream last season and then yeah so but i don't know as i say i don't know how it's gonna work in top 14 but i think when i have a chat with bendy and stuff i think you do still get a week off here and there I was looking at the division you've just come out of. Now, if it was, say, the English Championship, you'd have a handful of teams with, say, Premiership experience in the past. But the league you've just come out of is littered with big names. Like, not just big names. But names have been in European Heineken Cups. In one case, has even won it. It looks like a ferocious league. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, you've got Biarritz in there, massive club, Bayonne and yeah, yeah, but- clubs like that. Yeah, it's, it's not as quick. I would say it's probably not as quick as... You know, other leagues are played in, but yeah. in terms of physicality and the size of the men, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a hard league. Do you feel that, that suits you a bit more in your playing style? Probably, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I like to carry the ball, I like to make offensive tackles and things like that. So, yeah, it probably just suit my style of play. Yeah. Well, David Flatman described you as animal strong, so if that's the reference you get from Flats, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Cheers, Flat. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, well, you'll be thanking Briggsy later because he's given me a, a few things to ask you about. Oh, I don't believe anything Briggsy says. <laughs> so, from an outsider's point of view, then, just give me a little bit of information about Leon then and what we should expect from them next season going into the top 14. I think we've recruited pretty well this summer because uh, Leon have sort of gone up in the past two years or three years. They've gone up and down. You know, I think we've recruited pretty well and. In terms of, you know, we signed Dylan Armitage and uh, yeah. Michelak and you know, players like that who've got great experience. So I think it's going to be tough for us, but, you know, we just stick together and guard. Has Michelak showed up to camp yet or does he have a few more weeks off? Pretty much everyone was at camp. The camp wasn't as tough on the running side of things. It was more uh, organisation and getting the new boys up to scratch with our plays and set piece and things like that. So, yeah, it was good Good that there wasn't too much running for me. As we've been texting in the week leading up to this interview, you were saying, actually, that you've been in camp, what, for two weeks now? Now, when you say camp, do you mean actually away in a camp somewhere physically or are you travelling back and forth from home? Uh, no, we, we were away on, like, physically, uh, went away on a, on a coach to, for a week. So, yeah, physically away from my families and that for a week, just training there. So Worcester are actually there as well. Do you get to catch so up? I managed on my day off to watch the train on the day off on a Wednesday. They, they look pretty sharp, to be fair. Do they? Because I've got them as potential strugglers next year. Really? I know. They look, they look pretty good. And yeah. they looked well-conditioned as well. I caught up with, uh, obviously, a few of the old Bath boys there. and you know They're all looking really uh, well-conditioned. And Who's there from Bath who that you there? know, then? Is it, was Heathcote there when you were there? Yeah, Heathcote, Big Z, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Spenny, mm-hmm. Spenny the, uh, Will Spencer... I think that's it, yeah. They're the boys that are there now. So which players in the Leon team do you think that we should look out for? I think our, our 12, Manny, Manny Pier. He was outstanding like that last season. You know, he's making... The way he carries the ball, he hits lines and you know he's got soft hands as well for a big lad. Probably look out for him. There's, there's a lock who was out on loan last season at Bezier called Felix Lambie. Okay. He's come in and, he, and he's pretty... Um, he's impressed me. In training, he's really good line-out option, strong ball carrier, and yeah, he's impressed me. Should probably look out for him. Who else is there? New winger we signed from Australia. Okay, who's that? Uh, he, he looks really good. Any super rugby I experience? I think it's actually no, it's bad that I shouldn't. shouldn't <laughs> he's Australian. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched you play for quite a while now, from Sale 
uh, all the way through Bath where he had a tremendous time until maybe the end. What is your favourite position, Carl? Because I've seen you play seven, six, eight. It's probably my favourite is eight. I try and get my hands on the ball as much as I can. But when I was at Sale, it was, it was actually an injury. I think it was Seymour. I think it was an injury to Seymour and then I got yeah. shifted to seven. You know, I had some pretty decent performances at sevens. It just depends what the coach wants because I don't think, you know, I'm not your fetcher type of seven. If you want a seven who will carry the ball and make tackles and uh, can play seven, just depends what they want. And where are you spending most of your time in Leon? At eight. Oh, nice. 80% of the game we played at eight. Was that part of the conditions of you uh, coming over? You want the eight shirt? No, no, not really. just wanted to play. I didn't want to come off the bench every week playing 15 minutes. Basically, I just wanted to play and come over to Leon and it made me quite a big part of what they don't do and mm-hmm. gave me a big role in the middle of the pitch carrying ball for them and I've just enjoyed that little bit of extra pressure on me within that role and just enjoying rugby again mate. And rightly so too because you had periods particularly for Bath when your carrying was absolutely exceptional. I always thought when the writing seemed on the wall that maybe you wouldn't be staying at Bath I was really hoping that you'd stay inside the Premiership the team I thought that you'd look really, really good at would be Wasps, because it just seems to fit too well there. You cover all the back row positions, you're a big ball carrier just like yeah. they like, and they love having a big back row. I did have other premiership options, but at the time, you know, I'd had eight seasons in a premiership, and yeah. I felt that it was, would be a good time for me to just change it up and mm-hmm. try something new. And my, my, my kids as well, you know, it was a good age for them to come over and affect them in terms of schooling. So I thought, why not? Let's just do it. As much as a lifestyle thing as anything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, well, when I was at Bath, I actually wanted to leave a lot earlier than... I, it was actually at the start of the season, but everyone sort of says, oh, I left because of Sam Burgess coming in. Yeah. That wasn't the case, really, because made it microwave that I wanted to leave at the start of the season. And it, because basically when I re-signed for Bath, I re-signed under Gary Gold, and I really liked Gary Gold, really got on with him. You know, he's a real honest bloke and there's no sort of hidden agenda to him. Yeah. Just really honest. And then when he sort of went and got kicked out, it just didn't really seem the same place to me. So, yeah, I, I told Bath basically I wanted to leave at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I sort of tried to get my head down and try and play as well as I could for the lads and stuff. So As soon as I put up the post on Twitter that you were coming on, quite a few Bath lads got in contact with me. Sorry, Bath lads, Bath fans. Certainly a very popular character there. I felt the love from the Bath fans, really. They, they, were, they were awesome. Did you feel there was a, an actual change in atmosphere once Gary Gord left? Well, for me, yeah, I think there was, a, there was a little bit of change of an atmosphere. Gary was you not know, really honest. And as a player, I think as players, that's, that's all we want. And, and then uh, we want to be sort of told we're good when we are good and then told we're rubbish when we're rubbish, you know what I mean? So You alluded to it before that everyone says it was the events with Sam Burgess that led up to you wanting to leave. Was there an element of that just exacerbating the situation or would you have gone anyway it was a tiny bit but i think i'd have gone anyway definitely mm. and how do you think the situation was handled because it did feel very strange to me that they'd bring in a guy the caliber of sam burgess in terms of his athletic ability and what he's achieved in a completely different sport but then not really have a plan for where you're going to play him once he lands well i thought when we signed sam he was obviously brilliant for bath mm. he's a superstar and they're the type of players we want to play with I think Bath's put all their eggs in the Sam basket, and that's not Sam's fault. No, no, absolutely all, not. All Sam wanted to do is land, get in with the boys, and work hard with the boys, and earn the lads' respect. And that's all Sam wanted to do. But I think 
management put a lot of eggs in Sambeja's basket and, and obviously you know they, they lost players like Devoto and Hollywood then he was coming on really well when I was there and he was one of the best wingers we had it's interesting isn't it because I think the big casualty of the whole thing was when you left but quietly people like Devoto going people like Woodburn going these academy lads with the academy credits and all the rest of it that is absolutely huge yeah it is you know Devo's awesome he's yeah. a thrive exeter well, I mean, Woodburn didn't as much of a shout at Bath as he would like, I'm guessing. But in Exeter, he's been really good. Yeah, his, his last season at Bath, he won most improved player. And he just come on, leaps and bounds. We all, all at the start of the season, we all said, oh, this is what we're going to work on. He stood up at the start of the season and said what he was going to do. And fair play to him, he did exactly what he said he would do. So how does it work then? Were you just at scrimmaging practice one day or, you know, doing lineouts or something? And then you can see the backs, and all of a sudden, Sam Bird just trots over and says, lads, I'm going to train with you boys now. <laughs> nah, not quite <laughs> like that. But he'd train with the backs, and then he would do sort of contact sessions with Hats, with Neil Hatley. Yeah. So he, he worked real hard with Hat uh, when he was there, getting the sort of contract area sort of. But I suppose it was a bit like that. Basically, I played Leinster away, and Sam was on the bench. And um, I went all right. We, we, know, we were up against... Was this a semi-final Irish international back row. Quarter was it? Quarter? Yeah, that's the quarter, one I remember I that game. Heartbreak. We're up against the international Irish back row, and to be fair, I think we we did all right as a back row unit for Bath because you know they didn't do much. And then the week after, I got dropped. And then Sam started in the back row that week after. Yeah, so that's how it went. Oh, I see. And was there any kind of discussion as to like you've not done particularly well in certain situations, or was it just right? We're going to throw in Sam, and and that's it, effectively. Well, pretty much that. Yeah, well, well, he said, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do. And so, all right, well, you know, what, what can I say? Yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah. sound. Do you think management could have handled it a bit better? Uh, yeah. In what ways? He just wanted to come in, work hard. He didn't do what he does rather than... Yeah, yeah. We had. I remember um, before he'd even turned up the season before, we were at second in the league at the time. And we had a PowerPoint presentation of how this guy's going to take us to the next level and we're going to become a European powerhouse and things like that. Really? In his present, Yeah, in his presentation and, uh, and before he'd even arrived. Hang on a and second. Let's, let's dig more into that. What was in the presentation? I was just clips of Sam playing rugby league, basically. And how did they uh, make it relevant to your situation at Bath? Well, exactly. Uh, that's what I was thinking. I mean, we were sitting second in the league at the time and then 40, 50 blokes working hard. So I think it was just a bit of a pointless thing to do. Just add That's amazing. And who was it driven by? Was it driven by coaches, driven by management? What was your impression? I, I, I couldn't answer that because I don't know yeah. who was the main driving factor for it. I presume it was, it was Mike who wanted him. So I, I don't know, I presume. Yeah, and it makes sense now that Mike's gone and you know Sam's gone. It might be in some way linked. How do you reckon Bath will go next year then without Mike Ford? I think I mean, the, the squad's quality, isn't it? So yeah. I think um, it might actually thrive with everyone sort of writing them off. To be fair, I mean, I've pretty much written them off. I don't think you can do much at this time of year without a director of rugby. Bringing in Todd Blackadder so late and then installing a new head coach on top of that, it's a big ask. Uh, I think they might surprise you, mate. Really? I think they'll go well. Yeah, I think they'll go well. You still in contact with quite a lot of lads at the club? Yeah, a few of them. Keep in touch with Banners and Guy Mercer and people like that, yeah. Try and keep in touch with them on WhatsApp and things. We've done Bath to death a bit there. What was your route into rugby? Because I understand you were at Sudbury College, but did you have a club before that? I did, yeah. I basically started playing at St Mary's College, Osby. 
And then uh, one of my mates in the class, his dad was the coach of Waterloo. Oh, is that where you played? Yeah, yeah. There's a few at uh, Ben Kay and Austin Ely and all them played Wa- there. Waterloo is one of my favourite clubs. I love the... I, I don't know what room it is, but you've got to walk through like the bar from the change rooms to get to the pitch. It's got one of those like historic feels. Do you know like when you watch The Ashes or something and they walk through the... I don't know what the room is called, on the way out to the pitch. It's that kind of room. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a club with a lot of history. Like, yeah, so I went, so I, so I played for Waterloo, and then when I was sort of 15, I went to an O2 rugby camp. It's yeah. one of them summer camps they do, and Sebber did that, and sort of got the head coach of of Sebber and the Bursa pulled me out and just asked me if I wanted to go. And what was your initial thoughts to that? Yeah, I was like straight away, yeah, let's go. Ever since I was 11, all, all I ever wanted to do was play uh, to be a professional rugby player. So when that opportunity come up. I was like, yeah, see you, Mum, bye. <laughs> see you, Mum and Dad, bye. <laughs> I put my bags and gone. When did you start getting involved with Sale? Straight away, really, because they run the sort of EPDG, they call it, I think. No so they'd idea. have. What's that then? Is it England Player Development Group or something? Ah, uh, right, EPDG. okay. That's what it was called when I was there. And then Sale would send up coaches and conditioners to do like sort of two sessions a month with you keep the link going yeah so I've, I've always sort of been linked with sale since i was sort of 15 16 when did you get your first appearance with sale then when uh, i was, was against and i know what my debut was and i know my debut in the premiership as well my actual debut for sale was against cardiff in the edf cup was it the edf cup back in the day i'm not even sure that's the precursor to the um to the lv cup was it when actually yeah, the cup meant yeah. something <laughs> um, yeah, so it was against yeah Cardiff, and they they, actually, they sent out a pretty decent team as well, and we played quite a few youngsters, so everyone was expecting us to get absolutely battered. But I think like we lost in the last play of the game, they scored in the corner and beat us by two points, I think, or a point. Who was your age group in Sale then that you came up with? Will Cliff and the academy group was David Tate, Michael Hills, Slum Quade. Oh, right. Now, this is no one that the listeners will ever have heard of. Is that Jason Duffy's group? Yeah, it was actually, but Jason, unfortunately, he had his ankle injury and had to sort of retire before. When when I came, he'd, he'd retired. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been coached by him for uh, quite some time now. In fact, he was my last, he was my coach, say, last year and then two years before that. Yeah, he had some really good skills. And even at Seb, he was tipped to be like the next big thing. And unfortunately, you know, he had that ankle injury. He couldn't carry on. But yeah, he had some serious skills. It disappoints me a bit about that age group of sale players. Because I kind of think when they let you go, as well as when they let Briggsy go, it almost felt like they'd given up. It's like, well, we can't keep these good players. I appreciate they let all the, the older boys go first. I think you and Briggs were like almost like knockout blows to the whole project. When I left Sale, it was a weird one. They just, because Mike Brewer got chopped, Mike Brewer got sacked, and then, understandably, they obviously the club don't know, you know who the coach is. They don't know who's coming in or who's coming out, so they didn't offer me a contract. I was waiting. You know, because of all that was going on, I didn't really get an offer through. So I was like, all right, okay, I'll go and have a look around. So I wanted to get something done earlier. So I could, I could stay in things. Would you have stayed at Sale if they made you? So I was available, to, allowed to, allowed to speak to other clubs. If you get me. What? So I, I can't understand that for life of me. Why they let anyone of their young talent speak to any club? Was it just because there's no organisation there? So that's what I think. Yeah, because Mike Brewer got 
got sat. Obviously, they were unsure, so that's what I put it down to anyway. And then, obviously, I went to look round the manor house at Farley, and I was like, <laughs> right, okay, we'll do a sign, let's go. I'd tell you what, that was set up there. If you were to tour, say, two clubs, and one of them being Carrington, nothing wrong with Carrington, good professional setup, but the other one is Farley House, it's not going to take you much time to make up your mind, is it? <laughs> nah, not really. Although Diamond's come in and he's changed counting a lot. Uh, when I was there, we used to train in the barn and you'd have to wear gloves to do dumbbells because they were that cold. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Diamond's come in and he's, he's changed it all and they've got a really good setup now in Carrington. So did you ever play in the Diamond or was he kind of, was that when he was at Russia and doing all of his wheeling and dealing? He was the next guy that came in after... Um, it was Brewer, wasn't the it? Coaches. Yeah, after Brewer, yeah, sorry. He was the guy that came in after Brewer. And then by that time, he, I think Diamond wanted to keep me. Yeah. But by that time, I'd already signed for Bath. What so. did you think of the whole Brewer reign? He was a good coach, but I, you know, I think the way he spoke to a few guys, you can't, can't really do that. I did hear um, a story once, and you can confirm more than I. I heard once that the sale lads were doing some lineouts, and they just messed it up. Brewer came out and said, no, that's it, you're done. Go in, you've had your chance, and uh, you'll play like that on Saturday. Oh, I can't remember that. I, d- I don't know. Ruining my stories now, Carl. <laughs> well, one of the worst things... Oh, yeah, it definitely happened. It definitely, <laughs> happened that. definitely happened that. Well, one yeah, of the worst... Don't let, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, isn't it? Well, one of the worst things about doing this podcast, right, is I believe that I know a lot of stuff about rugby, particularly, like, the tales that are passed down. And when I actually find someone that should have been there, they always deny it or say, no, mate, that never happened. I don't know where, I don't know where that's from. Uh, is that, it actually proves that I know very little about rugby. No, don't put yourself down there. You're very knowledgeable about rugby, I think. Well, remains to be seen. Just going back to Brewer then, what do you reckon that the problem was there? Because you said that you can't speak to people like that. Was he a particularly harsh character? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I think... In the DOR role, I think you have to be, now especially, you have to be a good man-manager, don't you? And I personally feel you struggled a bit with that. Are there any DORs that, that come to mind for you who you think are really exceptional at what they do that, that you've dealt with in the past? Well, obviously, I said before, I think, for me, Gary Gold, because he was honest. Obviously, you've got clubs like Saracens, in my opinion, they're doing it everything right, you know what I mean? They, they enjoy them themselves they work hard and then they're honest and they respect each other and then they, they win it's not it's not a rocket science yeah they've got a, a very interesting setup there i mean i've been it's kind of near that team when they've been being away in the states and when they've come over, come over to sale and you just tell that they enjoy themselves it's just obvious yeah well that's it if you enjoy yourself you know you're gonna go a bit further than you would for your teammate or for the club Am I right to kind of imply then from what you've said that maybe Bath wasn't the happiest of ships? 
Yeah, it's a strange one now because we were winning every week, so you'd assume that it was enjoyable. But I think beyond the starting 15 and maybe a few others, I think, you know, it probably wasn't a happy place, no. But because we were winning, it was sort of, sort of masking it a bit. Do you reckon that that might be one of the key reasons about Mike Ford's departure then? I don't know. Obviously, I, I wasn't there in the, the season they finished ninth, so I, I don't know. I couldn't say. That's fair enough. I've been looking through your Twitter. Uh... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. A bit of an MMA fan. Yeah, yeah. I like a bit of boxing as well. I noticed you're giving it a go um, at Thai boxing. Where were you training there? Well, I said to one of the conditioners, you know, I fancy doing a bit of extra boxing or, you know, trying different stuff. And he said, okay, I'll get in touch with the other mate. He was an amateur French champion or something. And yeah, he said, I'll come down and. I'll do a bit with you. Uh, you got me like kicking though, and that's not for me kicking. I saw some of your leg kicks, and they looked fairly nasty. Yeah, but it took them about an hour to hit, so <laughs> you could just jump, dive out the way of them. But you only need to hit one. Remember that. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like MMA, rolling, judo, that sort of thing? Not really. It's more just, just boxing, and I, I did a bit of Thai boxing when I was younger. Yeah, I enjoyed that with a couple of my mates and stuff. So. Not just with my mates, I actually went to a club and did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not just down like yeah. the park or something, you know, nip down no. to the best station. I enjoy it, just, just a little, it's a bit, something different and I think it's really good for conditioning and stuff like that, boxing. Oh yeah, it's, it's absolutely tremendous. Allegedly, uh, they did a load of studies on like who are the fittest athletes and one of the things that came back was middleweight boxers apparently were the fittest athletes out there. Don't know if that's true or not. Do you know Steve Black? Have you ever uh, come across him? Rings a bell. He's yeah. he's the Geordie fella who Yeah, yeah, he worked with Wilkinson a lot. That's the boy, yeah. yeah. So his yeah. background's boxing. And that's what they did. They decided they'd train Wilkinson to be a middleweight boxer. Obviously had the hilarious consequences of as soon as all like the lower league teams found out, we all ended up wearing boxing gloves, like running around in circles <laughs> on the pitch. Yeah. Just the usual type of stuff that you'd expect from an amateur club. Yeah, no, it, it's good, man. It's good. Get you real sweat on, don't you? And you burn a lot of calories as well. I've tried it a few times, right? And the last time that I tried it, I mean, I'm, what am I, 6'2", something like that. So when you go into a boxing gym, and uh, I'm a little overweight as well, I'll, I'll let you into a secret there. So when you go into a boxing gym, everyone's actually quite slight. In fact, you're quite shocked at, about how small everyone is. And I got absolutely battered by um, a 16-year-old, uh, I reckon he's five foot seven ginger kid. Absolutely tuned up. And it wasn't that he was hitting me hard. Just, you know, like little taps, and you're thinking, oh, God, oh, God, I, I actually can't escape this, and I've got another minute to go. It was just a sheer number of punches, was it? Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And you've got nowhere to breathe. And then, oh, it's just, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Quite enjoy, like, the rolling side and, and the judo side. But the actual striking side, I'm just horrendous at it. Totally the opposite. I, I don't want to be on the, on the floor wrestling. I imagine that you'd be awesome at that, though. I mean, that, that is kind of, like, what you do for a living anyway. Yeah, well, I could use my weight for about a minute and then I'll just blow up, probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, luckily, outside of... Twitter, we have actually managed to see some of your handiwork. Now, you don't have to tell me, but I'd like it if you did. What did Gavin Henson say to you? Well, I won't say what he said to me, but <laughs> to be honest, starting from the beginning, it was a recipe for disaster when Bath sent us to Thatcher's Brewery at 11 in the morning. <laughs> and then, well, basically, there was, a, there was a number of events that went on before what I actually did that people don't know. I'm not going to bring them up again because it's, uh, it's been done. And we both got fined and actually we were really good mates after that and male relationships are a bit strange like that you know you can throw a punch the air gets cleared and then away you go 
Yeah, pretty much. That's what it was, mate. Were you more annoyed that someone had filmed it and the film had got out, or that you got fined? Yeah, a bit of both, really. It was obviously because of Gavin's celebrity status, it just went massive, didn't it? (laughs) And also, I think 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 if if it had punched Nathan Cat or something, (laughs) they might not have come out. I don't think. Well, yeah, and also Nathan Cat wouldn't have fallen on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he just threw two more back at me. Who was the guy standing in between you two? That was Guy Mercer. He was uh, he was trying to keep the peace. See, I've got a feeling that if it was you and Nathan Cat coming to blows, I don't think there'd be anyone willing to stun the middle and keep uh, the peace. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, no, I would never punch Nathan Cat, me. <laughs> I kind of see that whole incident, right? Do you know when you do something which isn't particularly, you're not particularly proud of it at the time, but as time passes, it kind of gets funnier and funnier, and you go, do you know what? We'll laugh about it by Christmas. Well, it's not great, mate. It's not great that I'm on YouTube punching someone, to be honest. I'm not, not really happy about that, but sort of perceives me as a bit of a dog, I think, when I'm actually not. On the pitch, I am aggressive and competitive, yeah. Some people would watch that and think Carvins is a dog. I think that's a perfectly fair point. Um, now, when you decided to go over to Leon, what was your situation with uh, with the England senior team and the England Saxons team? Were you getting any... Noises that you might be called up, and did that come into the equation at all when you decided to leave? No, not really, because with the whole England thing, I went on tour to South Africa mm-hmm. uh, and played a couple of midweek games. And then the last midweek game, uh, me and um, Johnny May went quite well. Yeah. And uh, Lanny came out and said, Oh, these two have done, done, done well in that game. Um, and, and then basically went back home after the tour. And then the next squads were announced, and I wasn't in any of them. I uh, uh, don't know what happened there, but um, well, it... maybe maybe that Gavin thing didn't help me, mate. That's maybe uh, maybe that because that happened. So. I tell you what, if it was under Eddie Jones, you'd be made captain. <laughs> yeah. Did you not get any feedback as to like what they thought or why you'd been excluded, or was it look you've been excluded, just work harder? But I had a sort of meeting at the end of the South Africa tour, and I think under Lanny, they they were always going on about how they want to play like the All Black and that, and you got to be fit. And I, at the time, I was like 120 kilograms. Crikey, so, that's yeah, massive. I'm about yeah. No, at the time I was even heavier. Actually, I was about 124, and they didn't really want that in their back row. They wanted. That's... I'm not saying I, I but if it, I'm not saying I wasn't fit because if you actually looked at my stats in games and what I did and how effective I was that's as uh, a, lot, a lot of guys. Well, so, but I think because I was heavier and and on the international game, obviously, your repeated efforts are a lot higher, and so you know I, I can understand that. You know, I needed to be fitter. So, how do you see the modern game going? Because it's very telling that you just said that. You know, you need to be fitter, and obviously, you're a big like 120 kgs is big by anyone's standards. Do you think the game is getting more skewed towards more mobile players? Yeah, definitely. Gone are the days when you can have a massive lump. In second row, you just scrummages. You need to be fit. You need to be to have all round games. So you need to have good hands, good carrier, tackler. You're going to go into the top fourteen next year, and you're going to come up against packs like Toulouse. And I don't think there's any doubt about what happens in Toulouse. You go there because you are massive, and cardio is nice, sure. But actually, having two or three twenty stone plus lads, that's what it's all about. Well, for me, if your power is good and you've got a good strong core. You know, I think you'd be a good rugby player because you're only working for sort of max, maybe. Or so you have the odd like crazy one and a half minute where you go in, but you don't really work for really long periods of time. So 
you're using more of your anaerobic uh, system rather than your aerobic within rugby. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I just guess my point is, it's kind of like American football, right? They went through this whole series where the power running game disappeared, so they started throwing it, and then all the offensive line starts to get um, smaller and more agile, and the the defence starts to get smaller and more agile to cover all the players. Then all of a sudden someone goes, how on, why don't we just get bigger offensive line guys and start running the ball, because these guys are small. And that's what I think is going to happen in rugby again. I think it's going to go full circle. And all this nonsense about uh, individuals with high levels of scale and fitness and the rest of it, I think it's going to go full circle. They're going to look for bigger blokes again. And actually, the evidence backs that up because rugby players are getting bigger and bigger every year. I think we're going to see like more structure and probably, particularly in France, more teams who are trying to emulate to lose and just get the biggest boys out there. Maybe, I don't know, on that one. It's an interesting one, that. Well, maybe I spend far too much of my time thinking about what will happen in rugby and then it never happens. <laughs> yeah. So what's going to be the future for you then? Are you going to spend a few more seasons in France and then are you looking to end your career there or come back over to the UK at some point? I don't know. I mean, my contract's up at the end of this season, so I'm looking around now. So I need to have a sort of good four months and then, yeah, I'll be looking around, oh, see where I can go. Or, no, I say I'll be looking around. I want to stay in Lyon, but we'll see what happens. That's... I'd never say no to coming back to England. A really unfair question, this. So you can feel free not to answer it. Is there a club out there you thought, I would love to have a season there? Just one season there to finish it all off. Not really, mate, because when I left Sale, Bath was that club I wanted to play for. And yeah, probably Bath, that club that you're on about, really. When I left Sale, that was probably the only... Because I had... At the time I left sale, I had options to go to like Leicester and things like that. But, oh, did you? Who so, had offers on the table for you when you left Bath? Oh, it was quite late in the day, wasn't it, as well? So there was Worcester was one of them. But yeah, I didn't really look, look about, but I knew I wanted to go to France. To Which is absolutely, absolutely fair enough. Uh, so I've never actually had a on my podcast who's just about to come into a contract year. What's the discussion that you have with, with your agent then? Probably the... Just uh, well, initially I'd be like, I want, I want to stay in Lyon. If, but, but, however, you know, can you have a look at what options are available for me in, in England if I wanted to come back? That's pretty much how the conversation goes. And then he obviously goes away, and he would then speak to clubs and say, look, Carl Fens is available. Would you be interested? And it goes from there, basically. Okay. The ideal scenario is, of course, that Leon come to you with a deal before you get to that point would hope that they would do that it might be wiser for them to do it and sometimes well not it's, yeah. well absolutely i mean if i had a rugby team i think i'd be offering my good players money immediately just so they don't have offers from other teams because obviously that can inflate the value in fact it's a pretty good place to be you can test the market to find out what your services are worth yeah and you see with bath now i think they've just announced extensions to joseph and watson yeah i've got a theory about that because if you look now, a lot of teams are signing a lot more players, and expensive players too. So my theory was that if you think about Bath, for instance, or Wasps, they've got internationals everywhere. And you can't keep all, all your internationals because of the salary cap. So eventually, you're going to have to choose, do you want Jonathan Joseph or do you want Anthony Watson? And my theory is, I think all these clubs are doing their business early doors because they know the salary cap is about to increase. So if they sign them on today's deals, or at today's prices, when the salary cap yeah. goes up, they will be able to keep everyone. I think that's, that's the theory behind it. Because if they wait another year and the salary cap's, say, six million, and then a couple of deals are done which are way above the current, current market value, they're going to struggle. Finding in the Premiership now, like, everyone says, oh, people go to France for the money and things, but Premiership's catching up now. Yeah. Like, I, they've got some serious money in 
Yeah, and I think as well the salary cap helps everyone. I mean, what's the salary cap over in France? I don't have a clue. No, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think it's going up to six million in the Premiership plus two more key players, which right. is interesting because I think as everyone starts to spend up to that level and the league itself gets more competitive across the board. I mean, if you look at the Premiership this year, you tell me who do you think will go down from this year's Premiership? Well, I'm looking at Bristol's first five fixtures mm. and they're brutal. They are, aren't they? So, yeah, I'd probably have to put it on Bristol, probably. See, I guess my point is that the Premiership is just so competitive. The only team you yeah. can really say is the, well, it's not even a clear-cut favourite. I mean, Bristol are by no means the worst team to come into the Premiership. And with a bit of form, a run of five or six games, they could secure themselves safety. It is a tremendously yeah. competitive league. Yeah. I think that's what's going to drive its future success. Yeah, I, think, I mean, Bristol are a really good team, but it was just because I looked at their first five fixtures and could affect them. They don't get off to a good start. That's why I say Bristol. They're obviously a very good team, though. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. I think Bristol may be the favourites, but they've damn good players. Um, one, of my, one of my best mates in uh, one of my best mates in rugby, Mark Jones, the hooker's there. Who was telling me the... Uh, Mark is desperately looking to open some fish and chip shops soon. <laughs> yeah, it was. Mum and dad own a fish called Rhonda. Is, is that somewhere in South Wales, I'm guessing? Yeah. He's a good is, lad, yeah. Mark. He's come down to Broughton Park to coach us a couple of times when I was at Broughton Park, just doing like basic scrummaging and stuff. Yeah, he knows his scrummaging. Good hooker too, actually. In fact, I'm very surprised that Wales have never been more interested. Yeah, same. I think I think he should play for Wales, mate. He's real good. What a confrontational hooker. And that's another thing as well. I thought he was perfect for the for the Steve Diamond style of rugby because he's a tough, tough man. Yeah, I think Dimes is good when he left. Yeah, he's basically in the mould of a Diamond player. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching him play. Have you seen the clip of him trying to kick a ball? No, no. <laughs> it's awesome. He picks up the ball from the uh, back of a ruck. I, th- I can't remember who's, who's sharing. I think it was like Will Addison or something. Uh, it was from like the video analysis. And he picks up the ball from the back of a ruck and he tries to kick it. Someone catches like his back leg. Look it up. Well oh, worth look. watching. Definitely. Going back to the Premiership, my personal favourite actually to go down is probably going to be Gloucester. I think Gloucester are really going to struggle this year. Really? What do you think about it? Their squad is good, but outside of their first 15, I don't think there's a tremendous amount of depth there. Uh, And then going forward, they've not really made many signings. They've lost a few players, and I can't think of one big signing really. All right, well, that's a a big shout from you, but. Yeah, well, again, it just shows how competitive the entire league is. I expect big things from Sale. I think that the outside of Saracens, everyone else is going to be there or thereabouts, down to about, I think it's going to be cut off where it's going to be Worcester, Gloucester, Bristol, and say, a another uh, Newcastle, fighting at the bottom, and then everyone else is going to be scrapping for top three, and then Saracens will be ahead of the rest. Well, Worcester still challenging on them this season, I reckon. Do you think? What do you think of their signings? Very good, you know, they just signed, got Kyle Eastman now as well, and Kyle, I love playing with Kyle, you know, as a back row running off him, Yeah, he just takes, you know, threatens the defence, makes makes defenders sort of sit down, and then, then he's got the, the right decision making to pick the right option, mm-hmm. he's an awesome player. He, he has got incredible feet, there's no two ways about that. Yeah, that, that's it. Because of his feet and speed, as a defender, you just got to sit on him, sort of sit down on him, and... It's really strange, though, isn't it? Because they've got they've spent obviously spent a lot of money, and Cal Eastman's one of my personal favourite players in the Premiership. I think he's a wonderful player. But it's not entirely sure if if he'll even start because they've bought Beal in as a twelve. They've got Kyle, who I mean, would you say his best position is twelve? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so. I mean, it's going to be a straight shootout between those two. 
I guess you could say, all oh, right, well, you could move Beal to 15, maybe. But then they've just gone and signed Willie LaRue. Then you've got the situation, who would you play out of Sippers or Gopeth? I mean, I think Gopeth's a fine player. It doesn't seem to fit in so well. It looks like they've spent their money all in the same positions. Well, they've got options there, so, you know, whatever backline they're putting out, it's going to be a, a dangerous one. For a ball carrier like yourself, would you fancy your chances running in between Danny Cipriani and Curtly Beal? Yeah. I would fancy that, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just wonder if they've got all this skill and all this pace, but there's not really much heft behind what they've done. And that's why I was quite surprised that you thought that they would uh, go up against Saracens, because actually they've got a lot of heft everywhere. Well, uh, Yeah, I just think that you know, the speed and the skills they got in the back line, and you know, they haven't got a shabby forward pack either, so... No, I think the forwards actually are more impressive than the backs. I mean, you look at Mullen, he's very, very good. Oh, they've lost Bradley Davis now, but of course, Nate, like Nathan Hughes, Haskell, and they've got exactly. a really good team. So you have sort of Nathan Hughes, Haskell running off the shoulder of Eastman with you know someone out the back of them and things like that. It's going to be dangerous. Yeah, you're right, actually. They're going to be class, aren't they? I mean, they're definitely going to be class, but it's like, are they going to be Saracens class? That's the big question, because they're already as good as everyone else, pretty much. The challenge for every team this year is to be as good as Saracens. Yeah, definitely. Saracens, well, whenever I play against them, they just they don't let up. They just squeeze you defensively and they choke you, basically. And then you get angry and then you want to tackle something and then they put the ball in the air. But, but they've sort of gone away from that now and then sort of play a bit more, but... I think they play more when it's on, but they yeah. are not afraid at all just to go back into their systems and their shapes and and, and yeah. kick it away. And I, I, I love that. I think it's a really good, pragmatic thing to do. I don't think there's any shame in it whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. Do you reckon that they're the strongest pack in the Prem? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely. I think they'll go well. I, I think Sale will be very, very good this year in the set piece. Maybe not the, the strongest pack, but they'll go well. And actually, Bath could have a serious resurgence too. Yeah. You wrote Bath off before, didn't you? In the pack, I think that they'll be all right. I think they'll end up about sixth. No, seventh. Give me seventh. I think they'll get in top six. And where do you reckon you'll finish this year with Leon? Oh, it's tough. It's tough to say. Uh, you know, we have meetings as a team and stuff. We haven't sort of said this is our objective. We just sort of the old cliche: we want to take every game as it comes and <laughs> see. see Go. Who, uh, <laughs> who are your first few uh, few fixtures? We've got Breathe at home. Okay. And then we've got Racing away. Ooh. So hopefully try and catch them cold, maybe. Big ask, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but that's why I've, I want to sort of test myself in top 14, so they're the games I want to play in. So. God, that's a real exciting one, Matt. You know, that's exactly why you play the game. Yeah, you want to play in games like that. Have you got any game in particular for next season that you're uh, looking forward to? Any Claremont, because I want to want to get Bendy. I've, I've already texted him and said, look out, <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> Have you ever watched the Bendy video of Nick Benderman versus the two Alangis? Oh yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Fair it's play. absolutely class. Even though it's brutal for five minutes, you come away from thinking about Bendy and thinking, that's a pretty tough guy. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he is actually tough as nails. He doesn't get enough credit for that, really. Yeah, he's, he's hard as nails. Like, I've seen him get absolutely smashed and then he just picks himself up and oh, yeah. does exactly the same. I wouldn't do that. I'd be going home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think your opposite man, if you start that day, have you seen the Georgian six that they've got? No. Mate, he looks like some cross from a, um, like something from like Wrath of the Khans and uh, something from, from Sopranos. The, the guy's a monster. So look out for him. I'm uh, sure, yeah, I'll avoid I'm, him. I'm sure that you'll deal with him. <laughs>
Well, yeah, but I hope. Carl, you've been absolutely tremendous company, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're more than welcome back. And I sincerely hope we see you in the Premiership sooner rather than later. Thanks for chat, mate. I know. Thanks for uh, getting in touch, mate. Cheers. No problem at all. Cheers, Carl. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.